Zennial Odyssey podcast, where hosts Remy and Bobby Rocks explore life for people born in the late 70s and early 1980s. Each week, they embark on expeditions exploring their analog childhoods or interview guests about navigating adulthood in a digital world. Join them on another adventure to discover what it means to be a Zennial. You know what would help? Oh, fuck you, Bob. I didn't even hit record. <laughs> it's so you know what? We're gonna roll with this because we got recording there, so now we got sound All on right. here. I was wondering what that can, button you just pressed. I looked down and I saw green, and green means like nothing's recording. <laughs> when I do screw up like this, I do my best to keep it in the episodes. Yeah. And early on, I did sometimes try to fade it out. I come from a show where there's no editing. Every screw up, every every me- is caught live and it's there forever. And maybe that's one reason I haven't done a live cast yet, because I'm always like, oh, Rem's going to do like he's going to do something. We hit something like even though these are really high quality, yeah. these are still sensitive too. like, like, yeah, that's, I'm yeah. trying very hard not to touch it and stay in my uh, my fist roll. He's right handed and he will put his if he gets a coffee, he puts it right there. Oh, and, I, and I'll literally be like, it's like he's setting him up. He wants it. He wants the trouble. Like, do you just I'm like, do you are you just trying to fuck with me right now? <laughs> All right. Sorry. So we have multiple takes again, but again, welcome back everyone to the Zenial Odyssey oh, podcast. I just touched it. Yep. It's all right. We're still ro- we're rolling with it. Yeah. This is the, this is learning. This is yeah. this is helping helping you learn. For anyone who doesn't know, this is Mike Snowgrove. Mike Snowgrove is a super fan of the of the podcast, and he also has a podcast of his own called the Probably Wrong Podcast. Yeah, we're more often that we found we're actually right. So if you could tell us a little bit about the Probably Wrong Podcast. Ah, it's just a group of guys getting away from normal everyday life. Sitting and enjoying talking sports. And, uh, you know, we, we try to break into some other little topics here and there. And um, we try to basically cross all sports and not just Boston-based sports. But, you know, we are here. So it's it's always the hot topic with everybody, you know. And there's enough crap every day on the radio to talk about. And so. I appreciate you and I talked about it before we came on the show. And you even said that you want a dedicated place to record. But one of my favorite things is, like, is Tony's house the main place? Is that his yes. house? Yeah. Okay, so like the backdrop is like his living room, and yeah, which is really nice. Every once in a while you see the cats, and yes. every once in a while you see him fall off. <laughs> I do. But I don't like that as much as when I know it's at your home, because yeah. you just have the wall of sneakers. And I yeah. think I'm like, wow. One thing that is challenging, again, one thing I talked about on the 15-minute episode I did, was that one thing I'm getting used to is, for example, my job sometimes sends me to the other part of the state. Yeah. And so That's when I get time. home and I'm just like... I don't want to do shit. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to adjust to that. But when I do watch and I know it's at your house and I'm literally, while I'm listening, I'm like, all right, where are all the Jordans? And I'm trying to pick out every single shoe because there are lots of shoes in here. <laughs> That's why I loved it in the beginning. Before Justin joined us, he would always ask what shoes I'm wearing. And I used to be like my favorite little pot. I used to pull them off my feet and bring them up and be like, talk about them for a minute. You know, now now he's on the show. He doesn't do that anymore. I gotta so tell him. What does he add? Tony and I started the show because we would we loved it the fact that we could talk sports forever. We could disagree. And it was a it was a common ground disagreement. But mm-hmm. then when we started the show, we started to realize we agree a lot. This is this is not what we wanted. Mm-hmm. And Justin doesn't agree. So he adds the uh, the other voice. I like how Justin, because he does it with like the way I would probably do it. If I don't agree with something, it doesn't mean I have to be like like a bear about it. It's, it's just like it's, but there are some episodes you see us go back it. and forth. I do. I do. There was the one. Oh, I forget exactly which player. It was a Red Sox player. You guys Trevor were a story. It was Trevor Story. <laughs> it was a, that was a pretty I was like and then and then you look over at Tony and he's like, <laughs> he just lets us go. So it's just good, you know. 
But I know, and sometimes when I want to get him fired up, I can go to Trevor Story, I can go to Patrice Bergeon and mm. really get under his skin. And uh, I like it because it adds that little flair to the show. I try all the time to get Tony fired up, but it's very difficult. I would say for me, my outlet when it comes to sports is Bleacher Report. I've followed Bleacher Report for a, over a decade. And it's nothing as it's nowhere near as great as when it first came out. It's yeah, it's pretty rough now. And now that they have the issue, I don't know. You know, the issue with Twitter, you notice if you go on Bleach Report, there's no more tweets. The only reason I know Bleach Report is because I have all the push notifications mm -hmm. and when it pops up with everything. So uh, Twitter started said they're going to start charging. them. Ah, so they were yes. like, OK, forget that. And so I go into the communities a lot and a lot of people are pissed off because they're like, it was a great place that just centrally located. Yeah sports analysts and reporters tweets about things so what's the point in point because yeah. i don't like i go into the community especially local sports communities and i troll the shit out of them yeah because it is the delusions are ridiculous and that's the reason i hated the patriots was because i could get under everybody's skin it's easy to get under a patriots oh. it's it's so easy it's, as a patriots fan yeah and that's why i do it too because <laughs> i'm like it's so easy you know, and in, in, in the quiet of, of my house, you know, I, I watch the games with my wife and yeah. my cousin. We sit and watch every game. And for years, I'm like, they wear it on their sleeve. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I could just troll and troll. And I do that to Justin a lot, too, when I find something he's really passionate about. Do you know what's a big thing right now that really gets the backs up of Patriots fans on Bleach Report up? Is when someone like me, who's just a realist, who's like, so are we just keeping Bill Belichick around so we can pass Don Shula? So he can get that record, put it on his boat, get a restaurant, whoopty fucking do. Yeah, the team I, is like, it is terrible right now. And all the people, he's earned the right. I'm like, no, he wouldn't extend that same right to his players. Why should it be extended yeah. to him? Yep. I see. I agree yep. with you, but I, it's, it's funny with that. I see both sides of it because I agree. What you're not doing to him, what he's preached for years. But on the flip side is, is I kind of feel he's earned a year or two, maybe even three years of mediocrity before you get rid of him. I'll give, he, and I'll give you that. Because he's got so many. It's just, I get it. You, you get frustrated with him and the way the NFL goes. You have one or two losing seasons. They're gone. But these guys aren't established. You know, no, you got right. a guy with, with this many rings. You got to give him, got to give someone like that the chance, like our Pete Carroll, like the chance to turn the ship around. Mm -hmm. You know, last year, and by the way, last year to me is that like, okay, that's your first year out because that was about as bad yeah. as it gets. Yeah. And I think this year, with now that you got your, uh, your Bill O'Brien, you got a little bit of a coaching staff. Mm -hmm. you're, you're starting to add so called weapons. You know, you should see an improvement. I hope so. We had a defensive coordinator, <sighs> I guess, calling plays. Uh, every week, it would just, I'm like, those two bumbling idiots. And it's just, it would be infuriating. Judge. Yeah. Joe and, Judge. And the fact that he's still there. Yes, everyone, this episode's going to be sports heavy. But if anyone wants any idea of what kind of caliber of a coach Joe Judge is, look at Daniel Jones for the New yeah. York Giants. Yeah. Look at how he was the year, his rookie year, and then look at the two years he had with him and now last year with Brian Dable. Yeah. And, and beyond that, look what Brian Dable did with that team. Yep. And I said, so going back to the beginning of our show, Tony and I talking back in before the NFL season, you know, he was, ah, the Giants stink. I go, no. They're finally getting an offensive-minded coach. Look what he just did mm -hmm. with Allen. I'm like, Daniel Jones has talent. He just had an idiot who didn't know how to use it. And I'm not saying he went out as a world beater this year, but, dude, they went from a crap team to 11 winning, wins yeah, and they won a playoff, playoff game. game. And not only that, because this is the area I think it hurt Josh Allen the most. You saw it, like, in the, in the Cincinnati playoff game for Josh Allen. When it comes to the little things... That's where he misses Brian Dayball the most. Yep. He had someone he could go back to the sidelines who had that 10,000 view from 10,000 feet that was like, let's back it up. This is what I saw. This is what I saw you do. Work on this. 
when you see the defense do this, do this. Yes. He didn't have someone of that caliber last no, 100%, season. 100%. And, and, and my feeling now with the Bills, I love Josh Allen. I think he's a great quarterback. Mm-hmm. But his problem and the reason the Bills will never win is because he wants the home run play. Yes. He doesn't have the guy to work on the little things. You know how many times in the games I'm like, dude, just check it down. Knox is wide open. Mm-hmm. Check it down. No, yes. I'm going to fire it all the way down to Diggs. Diggs, which, 50 yards downfield. Yeah. And it, every once in a while, he catches it, and it's a remarkable play. You're mm-hmm. like, all right, there's world beaters, but you could have built up to something. And the other thing is he has to stop running as much. I, it's, it's in his DNA. I know so, it's in his yeah. DNA, but it's – and I say that because you want to extend how dynamic you are as a player and with the way that the Bills they – they basically use him as a running back when he's yeah. not throwing the ball. And I understand he's a massive human being. But the NFL has shown the hits add up. But the running will never stop until I know. they get a running back. I know. And I figured with 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 um, Dalvin Cook, I'm like, oh, I'm perfect, surprised he's not already there. Perfect fit for Buffalo. I go, and that's huge piece. Mm-hmm. But I'm afraid he's going to go to the Patriots. It's time for the opening act. Welcome to the Odyssey. So I, I know you said uh, you brought up Patrice. So where do you where do you fall on Patrice? Switching up to different sports. Now we're on to Bruins, and, and hockey's my wheelhouse. I love hockey. I love Patrice. I truly think he's one of his generation, the best or second best center to ever play the game. I think that the reason, man, I I just is not here, so I can agree. So, <laughs> his lack of what he does in the playoffs, I think, hurt him big time. Um, but I also think that is injuries beating him up during the right during the season. I don't know if you heard um, the rumors are that that injury that he got against Montreal was a herniated disc. Yeah, it looked like it. And this is what when I do have conversations with people, because, again, if, going back to Bleach Report, it's a form of social media. Yeah, that sticks to us. That sticks to people our age where that's that's it, I feel like it's our last frontier because sometimes Twitter and Facebook, not sometimes, most of the time they're cesspools. Yeah. Bleach Report can be, but it's purposeful and it's fun. Yeah. But when I have conversations with people, I talk about sacrilegious things because I'm a realist. I am an old school Bruins fan. I say this when we talk about sports all the time. I, I can be the biggest fanboy, but I am yep. a realist of what I see mm-hmm. on the TV. What I read and see is how I base my, my facts. This is where I get Bruins fans. I think it's if he doesn't retire, it's time to move on. It's time to retire from him. He still has something to give. I don't want to say that he doesn't, but my issues with the core of the team, and he's a leader of that, is that they have a lot of power. They forced Cassidy out of here. Yeah. And that I say that, I love Cassidy, but every coach has a shelf life, and his shelf life was done here with the core yeah. that was here. They weren't going to get, they had to get rid of him because they weren't yes. going to get rid of the guys yes. that were here. It was yep. it's too much. Am I glad that he won a Stanley Cup with Vegas? Like, oh, I'm so happy that he I am. That. And yeah. I love Vegas. Yeah. I love the Golden Knights. And I thought, I'm like, I saw him go there. I'm like, good. Perfect. Perfect. That's what we need. And, but I'm one of the people that says, like, he's a great coach, but he did run his course here with this core. Because basically, Don Sweeney had to decide. Am I sticking with the coach and rebuilding an entire team, or am I just replacing the coach? And he learned from Kraft. Yes. Basically. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I'm going to stick with the coach and get rid of the talent, and what did that do? Yep. This is my issue with the core, too, is that they have a lot of say. For example, the Bruins were up 3-1 on the Florida Panthers without Krejci or Bergeron. Why even put them in Game 5? Our depth had shown they could beat them. But the infuriating part to that is all year long you dominated playing a certain way. Mm-hmm. And you got to the playoffs. You changed your format. Yep. You changed everything you're doing. Mm-hmm. I remember and, sitting sitting on the podcast or sitting with, with, with friends going, why is Swayman not in? 
And you had Allmark, who was injured himself, which would have made more sense to alternate them, to give him more time. He completely... He let his stars take over. And the other thing, too, is as much as I love David Krejci, David Krejci shows to me that he just physically can't do no, an, entire, was, an entire NHL he season He was completely anymore. gassed. Yeah. Completely gassed. And I don't know about you. I, to me, it was around game 60. He did not look the same. No. And then on top of that, it's like, okay, he's still playing. You're not sitting anybody because yeah. you guys want to go for the all-time record in the regular and season. Whoop-de-doo. I'm one of those people. Whoop-de-doo. Everybody was against me on this, but... I was fine with it because I'm like, I want the record, but I also want the title. I didn't want to, you're, you're there, get the record, go get the cup. And back to the point of being up 3-1 against the Florida Panthers, I think the depth of the team showed they still could have gotten the record yeah. and started resting people. And that's the infuriating part. And, and back to what we seen about, about Bergeron, uh, why he's always beat up in the playoffs because he plays so many games. Yes. But again, I, 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 is double jeopardy the right word here is... You, you're you're always bitching at the modern player because they don't play. Mm -hmm. But then we have a guy who plays, and now we're bitching at him for playing. Oh too yeah, much. it's catch it's catch, it's catch twenty two, not double. Jeopardy. He's da he's damned if he does, damned yeah. if he doesn't. Damned if he doesn't, damned if he doesn't. I like that. <laughs> but but the... back to my you help fix my double jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> but the real, literally a week ago today, where everybody was just hating me was because I was just focused on Milan Lucic. See, people are gonna think twice before they mess with our players. Do you realize what he ranked in fights last season? He was 71st in the NHL. He had three fights. He's not coming back here to fight. He's, he's old. Not, he's not coming back here to fight, and he can't. He could barely move 10 years ago. He could, yeah. What did he we, do now? We got rid of him because he couldn't play. And this is ultimately because in the modern NHL, this is, where, this is where old school hockey fans get it wrong. They think that his presence alone is going to dictate things. Is Milan Lucic's presence alone going to make David Pasternak start going into corners and fighting for pucks? Is it going to make Ampus Lindome fight for the net front presence? Is it going to do these things? And my answer is no. That's a mindset of those individual players. And then people go, oh, this is this. Oh, it's going to be back to 2011. And I say, do you know why we won in 2011? Because we outwilled teams. Yeah. Talent matters. That team had talent. They outwilled the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. And they broke them. Yep. They, bro they broke Roberto Luongo first. Oh, yeah. And, and then Tim Thomas. I didn't know it was my job to pump his tires. Like, <laughs> it's my job to go out here and arguably put on the best Stanley Cup finals a goalie's ever done. It's funny. I hated Tim Thomas, but I missed Tim Thomas, but I don't want him back. Because um, he, he was never going to recreate what he did right in that series. No, and, and while I am a, I view Tuka Rask as a polarizing goaltender, that's a tough act to follow. Yeah. Because he just didn't have the mindset. He had, a, yeah, he, had, he was a regular season he had a Scandinavian. He had a Scandinavian NHL hockey player's mindset. Yeah. And, I, and it's a tough stereotype. There's only two NHL players who have ever broken that stereotype. One is Nicholas Lindstrom yep. and Peter Forsberg. Ah. Those are the only two. And another conversation I have with Bruins fans is, because I, I bring up, should we trade Lindholm? And everyone goes, oh, I'm like, okay. Well, if you're saying no to him, then that means we have to trade Carlo. Because we're, there are two very large defensemen who play soft. They can't have that. You have to pick one. See, I, I talked myself into giving Lindholm a break because he was injured two years in a row in the playoffs. And then they're like, oh, but he's had two bad. I'm just, it's all my mood of which I way know. I want to go with that one. It's like, if, if I'm really Bruins hating, it's this guy stinks. He's soft. Playoffs come. And then if I'm, if I'm on my Bruins high, I talk to myself and be like, well, he was injured two years. You know, It's, it's where like my inner nerd comes out. <laughs> And it's not, I don't go into like the advanced stats. I just go into raw stats. And what, one thing when it comes to Lindholm, but the last time his postseason matched his regular season was a decade ago. Yeah. I'm like, and, and I'm like, and, and you could say right. there's two, three years where he didn't make it. And I'll give you that. But at some point it's like, okay, but this is my ultimate thing. And I actually talked about it earlier today. For me, Don Sweeney will never get away from the 2015 draft. No, he will never. never you, that's something you never live down. No, and he's never going to get away with what he's doing right now. No. Especially if no. they come out and have a horrible season because yep. I don't like back to what you're saying about Luch Luchik. I was fine with 
with the play, if we had Bertuzzi and we had Hall, actually, no, we had to get rid of Hall to keep Bertuzzi, which mm-hmm. we didn't do. But with that core, I was fine with Luchuk being here because I'm like, all right, he's going to fit in. And you know what? He is going to help the mentality and he is going to help because he doesn't have to be the guy. Now with this team, you're going to be relying Struggles. on him to. It's a, it's to, a team where you're going to need four lines. You're going to need you know? four lines to come and yeah. give 100% every night just and, to compete with teams. And that's where I'm fine. If you want to take Bergeron back, then he's going to take a lesser role mm-hmm. because you put him down on the third or fourth and line. I'm fine with that. With is he going to take a lesser role, though? That's the, that's, that's the issue yeah, with the if core. If you're going to put him in the first or second line. He's, and he's going to will, he's going he's gonna to talk his way into that. And love you, Patrice. You have meant more than I could put into words to this franchise. But this is where I get into the trolling because I'm literally like fire sale, fire sale it. Everyone, everyone must go. But here's the problem with Bergeron and why they'll have him back. What do we what have? We've shown how great how great Don Sweeney is at, at drafting we were all and pra- We were all praising him at the trade deadline. He did great moves. I don't hold last season against him. He did everything in his job to 100%. do it. It falls on the players and the coach. Yep, 100%. offseason for the Celtics. Love Porzingis. Love that we got rid of Smart and I've hated their move since. This guy Brissett that they picked up from Indiana. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't even I can't even remember the guy's name from Toronto that we just picked up. I'm like, what, yeah. what are we doing? I'm, I'm fine they got rid of Grant Williams. I didn't like Grant Williams. <laughs> Neither did Missoula or anyone yeah. else. <laughs> you know, I mean, I could talk myself into it going, I, I get the picks. We're going to need to somehow hit on a second round because we have no money to sign to anybody. Yeah. I, I don't know what they're doing right now. Do you think what is going to be in place in the NBA is going to, you will see more teams do what the Celtics have had to do? I think they're going to have to. I, I just think they've gotten way outrageous paying these guys, you know? And the fact that Jalen Brown... Jalen Brown's going to make $300 million? Jalen Brown could be the highest paid player in the NBA. Not Luka, not Giannis, not Steph Curry, not LeBron, not John Moran, not Jokic. Jalen Brown, who after it's about to be his eighth year, can't dribble to the left. He's the Derek Zoolander of the NBA. Yes. <laughs> he can't yeah. go left. Yeah, 100%. The worst is when I watch on, on, on the Instagram reels when they just have cuts and cuts and cuts of Jalen Brown trying to go left, and he just uh. loses the ball. And I'm like, this guy's going to make $290 million. I will say this. The NBA is my least favorite sport. It's not because of the talent on the court. I think you can argue that they put the best product yeah. out there. The end of halves is yeah. the bane of anything existence. Yeah. And they're still the quickest sport. Baseball's. The quickest. And baseball's baseball. the quickest right now. And ba- Are they really? They're getting done in two and a half hours. It's wasted because the Red Sox is so bad. I won't lie to you because I know I've, I've even reached out to you, Mike, and <laughs> said baseball has to earn me back. I have checked in because I did want to see the effect of the pitch clock. Yeah. And so I watched an ESPN game. I believe it was between the Braves and the Cardinals. This was in April. And after two innings, it was 5-4. But those two innings moved fast. Yeah. And I'm like, this is literally what our grandparents were like. And this would be good. Yeah. Because this is captivating. And, and, and I can only imagine what it's going to be like in the postseason. Yeah. 100%. Because postseason baseball is good. Yeah, it is I, a great product. I can product. only imagine how good it would be if the Red Sox weren't entertaining the product. Because <laughs> yeah. be, it's on every night, almost mm-hmm. every night. You're watching it, and you're like, oh. The game starts at 7. It's over at 9. You know, 9.30. Do you, you think know? John Henry cares? No. 
Let me rephrase. Do you think he cares about the Red Sox? No. I don't either. I think he cares about Roush Fenway, his conglomerate. John Henry has, it's proven, and I tell people all the time, they tell me, no, no, because they're Red Sox faithfuls. He doesn't care because he knows no matter what he puts out on that field, he's proving it every year. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Bloom. I'm going to watch the crap we put out there, and people are still going to go. It blows my mind that they still get the TV deals that they do. Yeah. Because, yeah, the NFL paved the way. And luckily, the NFL gave us a great team, the Green Bay Packers, who are publicly owned, so we get to know how much they make. And and I think last season, every franchise made something like $370 million. Yeah, it's crazy. And that's why... There are NFL owners who can be as terrible, have terrible friends. The Houston Tech can have a racist owner and all that, and no one tried to get them out. 370, subtract 50 million just as a base operating cost. I made $320 million. Yeah. Major League Baseball is no different. What's going on in the NBA is making that a little different. Yeah. And I definitely think Wick Rosebeck is, he's not a Scrooge McDuck owner. They're going to have to fix this. Mm-hmm. They're, because these guys have making absorbent money, and we're, you're going to witness it firsthand with the Celtics, and like we touched on a couple minutes ago with them mm-hmm. with the second-round picks and crap like that, is you're going to have three or four main guys getting paid, and then they're just going to be trying to find guys that make yeah. to nothing. That's yeah. what the Suns have to do right now. They're not the only one. That's what Golden State basically has to do. How is it? The Suns have all these stars, and our payroll is still going to be higher. One thing I did want to bring up while we're talking about the NBA is how many owners have sold their teams in the last... Just two right now. In the last couple of years. Not, I know oh, this last oh, season is like couple two. couple years. I'm, I'm not sure. Not counting people like Donald Sterling and not yeah. counting people like that, but... I'm, um, I'm not sure. I, I'm only privy to it this year because now I'm starting to watch it and Jordan see Jordan gave up his stake in yep. Charlotte and then... The owner of the Bucks. The owner of the Bucks gave yeah. up his stake and all power to them. All yeah. power they made They're billionaires. Yeah. I mean, Jordan was a billionaire already anyway. Now he's a tens yeah. of billionaire. Yeah, I don't even know how many times over... But that's, yeah, that's something that those sports are going to have to think about, especially the NBA, because the NBA, they're the trendsetters as far as sports go about the athletes having the power. And you can thank David Stern for that. Yes. It worked to a point, but now it's gone too far. He did it at all costs. And now I don't know how they get that back. It's why even though the NHL, you can make the argument that it's the fifth most popular sport in the country. And and, and I'm okay with that. Like, I feel feel the fraternity of the people, like, of the fans. But it's it's a niche group. Yes. But what I mean is, like, the NHL has a great model because they have Gary Bettman, who just is a bull. Funniness of him getting booed whenever he goes out. And he loves that stuff. But he gets the fact that, yeah, I'm going to piss people off and ruffle feathers, but it's for the greater good. The difference between Bettman and, um, oh, my goodness, I forget the... uh... The commissioner of the uh, NFL. Roger Goodell. The difference between those two is... Oh, well, Goodell's a puppet. Yes, but Bettman, as much as he plays into it, it doesn't take over the character. No. With, with Goodell, he's like... He's, Goodell, I, I see he's what you're saying. Good, Goodell, Goodell like, inserts oh. himself to a point where it gets in the way, whereas Gary Bettman, yeah. he knows where to gauge it. Switching gears back to what I mean by the players having power, you, you're seeing it in like the NFL. But you still have very strong you, will. Don't yes, you do NFL. still. And that that is ultimately what it is. And that's why when people talk about oh, the salary cap, all this and, the, and let's be on the cap is crap. It is. Yeah. It gives the owners the appearance that they're paying more money, out. gives them an out and they don't have to give guarantee contracts. Yeah. So when the owner of the Cleveland Browns gives out Deshaun Watson, Mr. Rub and Tug, happy ending himself, yeah. a guaranteed contract, you know that he went to the next owner meeting and 31 owners were like, the fuck? This is everything we fight against right because there. then Lamar Jackson, he has something to hang his hat on. Yep. yep. And then they broke down and gave it to Lamar. I'm just glad they didn't give in to his initial because his initial give was I'm worth more. And I mean, that's it's an argument to be made that he's worth more than Deshaun Watson. 100%. But that's a lot of guaranteed money that the NFL doesn't want to give out. And then 
Major League Baseball has to contend with the strongest union and arguably in the world. But they can afford Major and they League can Baseball afford. can afford to pay that yes. much money because yep. they, I mean, they make buku bucks. We just did pass uh, last week Bobby Bonilla Day. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and if you look in their payroll, it's not just Bobby Bonilla they're no. playing to every year. I do like because on the radio they did talk about like well, how come we don't have a Manny Ramirez day? But that's what they do in Major League Baseball. Yeah, they defer money. Yeah, I think that's a genius move on the part of the players and their agents. Yeah. to be honest. If you're gonna ask me a sport that I want to play, it would be baseball. It really would. You can get paid the most. You have the be- best pension benefits. You you get your your home and away. You're only gone for the summertime. Yeah, I don't. I don't and you really anyone else that plays baseball, I hate to say this, but you really you're really exerting the least amount of. Uh, <laughs> that's I mean, fair. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. That's fair. Even go back to like David Wells. Oh, David Wells. Who, yeah, through what? The the 10th per- perfect game in Major League history and he would been out like getting hammered and probably yeah. doing coke all night. I yeah, mean, I think they said he was still high when he was pitching. Yeah. And some people may be like, how, well, you know, you just talk about sports. How are you tying it? Well, we're tying it in with like number one social media because that's how athletes, that's how they get the leverage. And, and I don't want to say like it's a negative thing because one thing that came out of that, the Players Tribune, I love the Players Tribune. Yeah. Derek Jeter and friends and at and all. Yeah, yeah, at all, because I know there's so many people, but like I don't see it as much anymore. But when like players were announcing their retirement, they did it through the Players Tribune. It was cool because then players felt like, okay, now I have control over what I want to say or get out. We can play because that's a double edged sword. They also can control the narrative. But I really never got the sense the players that really focus on the players that they did that. They no. were just like, no, I just want this without, my, without yeah. the media getting involved because I have control over this. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And that's something, again, that is people our age yeah. do, whether it's sports or whether it's social media, it's people getting the control of those, for better or worse. But Yeah, people owning their, owning themselves. How's yes. that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that goes down to music, too. Just think of that, oh, the yeah. guys that own themselves now. we say we talk about people our age like so the probably wrong podcast we talk about it and you're like oh it's a bunch of young the the older generation that listen to it like my mother listens to it loves it and i don't just mean just my yep. mother loves it, but people that her friends they show the show they're like oh mm-hmm. i'm like you know even though we say we talk about things that people our age it's an underrated thing by the way because while i say it's for us there's a lady she does reels and tiktoks she's i, I followed her on facebook her name is sherry diaz she does like Gen X stuff and she's yep. like a 50 year old woman with like purple hair. She owns her own business and she does a lot of uh, just quick hitters about what people don't understand about Gen X. Like I'd be like, you do it. If I could ever hook up with her and like have her come on, like I'd be like, please. Yeah. Because now we're like bridging those gaps because that's another thing that I think like what you're hitting at too. Yeah. The, un- the things you don't necessarily anticipate yeah. that come out of when you do something. Like yeah. It's crazy. You know, I, I didn't anticipate half the things that have come out of the mm-hmm. show and people that have reached in and was like, oh, you listened to it? You watched it? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's that's pretty cool. You know, but I never expected you would watch. You know, the episode we did about the Gen Y book, yep, like was because somebody I graduated high school with reached out to me by email, and I'm like, first off, I was like, man, he could have just hit me up on Messenger or whatever, but he <laughs> he went email. So that's like, wow, how two thousands of you. But no, he was it was pretty cool because he was also like, wow, I I haven't kept in contact with you and to hear because he focused on an episode we did about my friend Pat, and he was like, wow, that sounds like your friend was awesome and the motivation for. What you do was great, uh, but he goes, and I love the format of your show. That's great. Hey, here's a link to this book that I think you would find interesting. Yeah. And then I 
and I read it and Remy and I critiqued the book. And then come to find out that those authors found out there were three authors. They found out Remy, about you it. You just talked about this. Yeah, it was one of the most awesome. humbling things. I was like, wow, these guys. And like they, they gave their critique of our critique, yeah. which was also cool because it was academic. It wasn't like the rah-rah banter of like right and wrong. It was more like a, well, they critiqued our where we got our numbers from and this is why we got our numbers from there yep and this but then they'd say we really loved that they talk about this and i'm just reading this going they're talking about my podcast <laughs> these guys who live on the other side of the country wow yeah wow it's awesome there are two things so something like that is mind-blowing the other mm -hmm. thing is so we grew up in a generation where friends all we do is bust balls yes right? I remember when we were younger, you know, you were, I said, I wrote back to you, you were the punk one. I know? was an asshole. Yeah, yeah. I was. I, I own that. I'm, I'm still an asshole, but I harness it better. But so just, with the show, it's funny that you, your friends listen to it and you're waiting to hear them just bust your balls about yep. it, right? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they tell you that they enjoy it and they talk. I'm like, oh, wow. And I say, I was waiting for you to bust my balls. So one thing that we, Mike and I did off the air is number one, like Mike was looking to upgrade yes. your equipment, add equipment, yeah, add equipment, add equipment. And I gave him my older equipment, which is still phenomenal. And it's, it's going to serve you well, especially once you get comfortable with it all. One other thing I was doing was just giving Mike ideas about certain things. And again, I, I talked about literally the blankets we have here, which are for soundproofing. <laughs> and again, a great trait of people our age is we're DIY. We do everything ourselves. We're very resourceful. We're yeah. very independent. And one of my, because one of my favorite things I hear back from people is they're like, it sounds so professional. And I go, if you knew, like, because I, I kind of like, if you knew, like, the fucking jerry rig stuff I got going on here, like, that makes me very, like, thank you. It, it's like, a, like, I, when I say I want what I want my show to sound like, mm -hmm. I remember playing it for the guys and they're like, wow, that sounds professional. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Besides the fact we are boiling right now, because oh, yeah, yeah, it, it is, it is we're, very we're, warm we're boiling right now. <laughs> But besides that, yeah, it's it's really a great setup. And and like I was telling Mike off the air, I mean, the, I'm happy with my setup right now. Yeah. But if there were things that I was going to upgrade or change, it would be this this camera right here. I'd still use this camera. AC. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, my mom doesn't have central AC in the studio, the home in the home that the studio is in. Yeah, uh, she still operates on Windows things, and now she's got a a portable one. And I told her like, how do you enjoy not being able to hear the TV? Because <laughs> they don't get care. <laughs> oh yeah she don't care but yeah a ac yeah number one i know like i don't have a home like i live in a condo so you do have a home a, but... <laughs> a house a house i'll put it that way a house thank you thank you for correcting me but like my wife has made it very clear that i cannot set this up in our home and yeah. i go okay that's fair that's fair See, i could never set up in my home because my kids would oh yeah just yeah. absolutely destroy it my wife and i eventually will buy a home and one of the things i want to do is to go out and literally get like a shed and make it into like a multi-foot boat, it would be the podcast studio. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. And again, because I don't have children, doesn't mean we doesn't mean like she even says like we could still have kids. And I'm like, I, you know, I because my wife's four years younger than me. So she's still in her 30s. But I go, you know, I'm almost 41 years old now. Like I know like, with us guys, there there is no the biological clock is different. Yeah. But it doesn't mean I, I, I could view myself as like a 55 year old when my you know, or like a 50 year old or my child and my child has all the energy in the world that I can match that. It's funny because I, so my wife is eight years younger than me. Mm -hmm. So that explains why I have two older children and two younger children. And recently she's been like, well, you know, I kind of, kind of want another kid. I'm like, I'm 43. I want to, I don't want to say enjoy, but enjoy in my older years. I don't want to be when I die, be like, oh, wow. He still has yeah. a 20 year old.
it's a good thing you brought up because my father passed away four years ago. I was 36 years old. One of my childhood friends, my brother and I went to go tell his parents uh, when after my dad passed away. And that was really cool because like that was like a secondary fatherly figure to me. Yeah. And he actually embraced us as like grown adult men. Yeah. And gave us that real fatherly hug. And we were just telling him like what the last couple months were like for my dad. And he essentially said, what probably made it easier for your dad to let go is the fact he knew you guys would be okay. Yeah. He goes, I don't have that luxury. <laughs> and it's like a wow. But at, at the same time, it also was like a, I had the benefit of my dad just basically said like, I want to stop treatments and all that. And I just want to go home and die. Yeah. Uh, and then he had that rebound because he accepted it. I got conversations that people don't always get to have with yeah. their parents. Number one, he asked me if I was okay with it. Yeah. Like, am I okay with the fact that in a couple I mean, of days? I mean, I'm like, wow, that's awesome, but I never want to have exactly, that conversation. Exactly. And, and, I, and I, I am, I'm very candid with sharing that. Yeah. Because, like I told him, I was fine with it because to say no meant that you would, it would prolong your suffering and I want you to suffer. But how, you can't, you, know? you can only really answer that question yeah. one way. Yeah. Because you got to think of him. You can't. You but can't. I got around it this way. I said, I'm giving you my blessing. I'm okay with it. That's the hardest thing I've ever had to say. And it breaks my heart to say that, but I'll do that for you. And he yeah. thanked me. Yeah. And then we could have other conversations. So we got bad beyond that. Yeah. And then we could have other conversations. And yeah, everything he told me was like, he was just like, hey, because he had a business. He ran it out of my mom, my mom's house in the basement. Yeah. And one thing he asked me, he's like, can you reach out to all the people who I'm still doing business and just let them know that like the business is, is ceasing. And, I, and so like, this is literally leaving a hospital to like come back here to like help my mom with stuff and doing and reaching out to people he did business with. And it was all like, I talked with my sister about it. It's just some very out of body experience that whole time. I, I think of things and I'm like, I couldn't, you can never imagine, I guess, till, no. you, till you're in it. You know, and mm -hmm. I, I think of, it's funny because now that I have a son, I look at our relationship and it helps me to try to, not that I, 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 I don't have a bad relationship with my father at all mm -hmm. to say that, but it helps me to try to like, the you, times, had a, you had a boomer, you had a relationship with a boomer. <laughs> yeah. But it, yeah. it, it, my father was very different and, it, and not about, he was the soft-spoken, caring, but I, seeing the relationship I have with my son makes me want to have a better relationship with my dad. I look at it and I go, I never want to have not a relationship with, with my son. Like we have a bond and it's just, I find myself not as much time with my father and I'm like, you know mm -hmm. what, I've, I've, I picture myself now that I have a son, picture myself being my dad and like, I don't, I want to. You know, so I want to make sure that I'm there. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm doing things with him and still having, still enjoying it because I look at it like, I don't know if I'm explaining it the same way, but I look at now as a father with my son, I always want my son there and mm -hmm. I can't picture growing up and my son not there. As I'm growing up, I'm not there all oh, the time. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. You gotcha, know, and looking gotcha. at it as a father with now gotcha. with his son, I never want my son to not be like there. So I'm like, oh. It's like a Harry Chapin song, Cats in the Cradle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pretty, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, wow, You. yeah, exactly. Yeah. When I was like 10 years old, Ugly Kid Joe, when they covered that song. Yes. And, yeah. my, and my dad, like, Ugly listened Kid to Joe. that. Ugly Kid Joe, yeah. My dad listened to that, and then, like, because my, my dad was very philosophical. He got deep. Yeah. My dad was the kind of guy, he would get deep. Like, that's what I never wanted to be. Like, that right there, that song. And I'm, like, a 10-year-old going, like, this is weird. I just want to, like, watch MTV. Yeah. Now you can. Especially yeah. especially when, you're, when your dad's not there anymore. It's like, I would kill it for anything to have yeah. a conversation like that again. And that's why it's, like, now yeah. it's, like, looking forward. Like, I want to make sure that I'm more present in his yes. life because, they one, mm -hmm. like, I just. I don't know if I'm still saying it right that I'm not. I just want to make sure that I'm there more, so I'm not missing. You know, because my father's eighty. You know, one thing I did want to talk to you about because one thing you brought up, you have like your children's ages. There's big gaps. Yes, between there and you have children that are. Would your oldest be Gen Z? Yes. Yeah, but right? your youngest are like three. So yeah, but your youngest are Gen Alpha. Yes. So you we can even see as a parent there are differences in in them, right? 
there's differences in them, but there's also differences because I had my children so young, the mm-hmm. older ones. They have a completely different father. And that's a great point. Thank you, because I brought, I brought that up. Like when I have a conversation with my sister, because she's almost a decade older than me, yeah. that we didn't have the, we have the same parents, but they're not the same parents. Yeah. And it's funny because my, yeah. my, my 19 year old sometimes would be like, well, you know, that's not how dad was with us. And I'm like, well, I was 20. Yeah. I was in my 20s. It's different. Like, look at you. You're almost in your 20s. Picture like my, my 23 year old. Mm-hmm. I go, picture I had a three year old and a newborn. And look at your life. Yeah. Like, I know this from my work experience. When I, I've managed people who are like Gen Z. And one thing I noticed, and I, I taper it really well. I think a stereotype of people that age is they're great advocators. They're great go-getters in certain regards. And I think their hearts are in the right place. Yes. But I think they also didn't get enough experience talking your way through issues with somebody else. Because I, I got a sense that even when I had to do like yeah, HR I, stuff, problem solving nailed it. Yeah. Is, is something, is a skill that just they did never go. And, I, and I, that sucks. And some of it is you could tell the parents that focused on one area, but they didn't focus on what are you going to do when you run into some resistance? And it's funny, see, you said I, I noticed that very early on. And sometimes mm-hmm. I, like, I feel bad that I'm, it's not that I'm not there for my kids because mm-hmm. I'm there if they get in big trouble. But I want them to get themselves out of it, you know? And I, it's, it's just funny, like, the other day my daughter had a, had a flat tire, you know? And it's happened at work. And you know what? You, granted, she called me, and it, it was disappointing I didn't get the phone call, but she called me. But she ended up getting herself out of it. Yeah. You know? And it's just, it just sounds so stupid. But as a, as a parent, like, you're like, oh, my kid got themselves out of it. You know, and I don't want to always be that safety net until I need to be. Speaking of flat tires, I once at uh, at a job I had because I worked at a nonprofit and I ran a residential program and they didn't have like a paved driveway in the middle of the winter on a sheet of ice. I had a flat tire and I've changed that flat tire on a sheet of ice on dirt. Yeah. People younger than me, there's no, they would just be lost. They would be helpless. I like, remember launching my, <laughs> it's funny that we're talking about, I remember I had a, had a geo tracker and I remember on the side of the road, you know, the, the embankment on the highway. Yeah. And I remember, like, oh, crap, we got to change this tire. You know, we, we, it was a couple of us, we might have been under the influence. And I remember, <laughs> come on, we got to change this tire quick. And I remember jacking it up, and it hit all four of us at the same time. Like, you just jacked this up on a, an embankment. An embankment. Ooh. And as we all came to the thing, the truck went, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. of the podcast and mike i th- i think you what we just did is like literally because you said we went so many areas but i love doing stuff like that yeah i love the fact this is what i love interviewing people instead of just having like a co-host all the time is because literally we can go all these places and it's great because it gets us in all these conversations and can open up all these avenues and that stuff i can i can tell you from just watching my download numbers like that stuff is stuff people want to watch yeah and we feel that way when we do the our, our show so we have obviously we have a little bit of a I don't want to say a format, but yeah. like we, we want to talk about the Bruins tonight. We want to talk about the, the Celtics, and we're like, oh man, we're gonna have so much dead air. And then by the time we're done, we're like, man, we love yeah, that done. dead. We love that dead air mm-hmm. because we just like tonight, all different different exactly. avenues. You know? Yeah, but Mike, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Thank you for having me. This was fun. And uh, if you ever want to extend it, extend it my way, like we could work on getting like. I, have you ever had people on remote? So I, we tried the remote thing one when I was on vacation. 
And it, oh, because you tried. Yeah, you yes, tried to come had, in remote. We tried to come in remote because okay, I was gotcha. at Tony's brother's bar, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. And that was the quickest episode we had. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever want me on, like, just let me know. I'd love to come on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, talk, talk, with, talk sports. Because well, we're always looking because in summertime and people sometimes can't make the show. Yeah. And it'd be nice to be. You know, it'd be a lot easier if you lived here to I get know. you there. But yeah. <laughs> well, if I'm working at my main hub, I work in Randolph, so I have to come by here anyway. Yeah. So it could be a day where I'm, if I'm working in Randolph, it's like, okay, well, I have to go travel down and go by the Bridgewater anyway. So oh, that'd be good. The next time uh-huh. Tony or Justin bails out, you know, this is the replacement. All right. <laughs> All right. And that's another great thing about podcasting networking, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's worked out great. All right. Yeah. Well, All right. Thank you. So, Mike, thank you again. And uh, well, I will let I you know. It. Thank you. I'll let you know when this thing uh, comes out because I am going to take like a, there's nothing wrong with breaks. Like literally, like, this is going to be a month and a half break. Yeah. And then I can just start. And what I can do then is I can build up my cache of episodes. Yeah. Because with the domain, you can actually schedule when the episodes come out. Oh, so that's how you have yours come out every Tuesday. Yep. You're not actually putting them out. They're just there and it just releases them. So when I uh, when I get the cache, usually it's six, seven episodes, I upload them all at the same time. And then I just go, okay, this one this week, that one that week, set it and forget it. So professional. It's so easy. <laughs> and so easy. Someday I'll do tutorials on what I do. Like just so I can see everyone's yeah, this easy. See, the tutorials is where the money is on, on, is. on, on the YouTube. It is. Wow, yep. I just sounded like an old man. On that on the YouTube. On the YouTube. On the on the line on the YouTube. All right, but uh, we're gonna take off everyone because yeah, we're we're dying here. Yeah, all right. it is. It is warm. All right, all right. Th- <laughs> thanks, Mike, and take care, everybody. No See you later.